You are listening to the Prosperous Pet Business Podcast with pet business coach Kristen Morrison, episode number 75. Welcome to the Prosperous Pet Business Podcast, where it's all about pet business challenges, real coaching, and real solutions to help you thrive in your pet business and in your life. And now, here's your host, pet business coach, Kristen Morrison. Hi, pet business owners. I hope you are doing well this week. It's still quite a strange time. Many of us have been sheltering in place for over four months now. At least I have been in the Bay Area. And I just wanted to check in with you guys, see how you're doing, first of all. And I am really excited about this episode today. This is an episode with Tara Gentile. I'm going to let you learn about her from her own little bio (laughs) that I'll have a link to in the show notes at prosperouspetbusiness.com forward slash podcast 75. That's the number 75. But we're going to be talking about how to generate revenue even when you're in a slump, the art of earning. So I can imagine some of you are feeling like you're in a slump During this time, this economic downturn, I know it can be pretty nerve-wracking to have a business at this time. So it's my hope and intention that this episode will help you be kind of the wind underneath your sails and help you move forward. It's an episode that I aired for the Prosperous Pet Business online conference a couple years ago, and a lot of people got so much out of it that I wanted to air it for the podcast as well. Before we dive into Tara Gentile's segment, I wanted to check in with you because I've had a number of people, especially lately, ask me, which book of yours should I read first? And I get that question a lot. Now, here's the thing. My answer always depends upon where the question asker is in their pet business journey because everyone's at a different phase, right? And I want to say first that even though some of my book titles have the term pet sitting and dog walking in the title, they are all very much relevant and applicable to all kinds of pet businesses. I've had many pet groomers, dog trainers, dog daycare owners, pet photographers all tell me that they've gained a lot of value from the pet sitting and dog walking titled books. Also, I want to share with you that all of my books are available in paperback format on Amazon. I'm going to have a link to all of my books in the show notes at prosperouspetbusiness.com forward slash podcast 75. So here we go. We're going to dive in to my five books. So if you're starting your pet business or if you'd like a step-by-step guide to grow your business, then you'll want to check out 30 Days to Start and Grow Your Pet Sitting and Dog Walking Business. Or you can listen to the audiobook version. That book is available on audiobook, either on Audible, or you can also get the audiobook on my website. If you're feeling stuck in your pet business evolution and you need to break through that financial glass ceiling, and sometimes that's a self-imposed glass ceiling, whether that glass ceiling be six figures or even beyond six figures, you'll want to read Six Figure Pet Sitting or you can listen to the Six Figure Pet Sitting audiobook. 
If you are a pet groomer, a dog trainer, a dog daycare owner, or any other pet professional besides a pet sitter or dog walker, and you want to reach six figures or even more in your pet business, you're going to want to check out Six Figure Pet Business. Now, if you're hiring staff members, including pet sitters, dog walkers, pet groomers, maybe dog trainers, dog daycare assistants, even admin assistants or office managers to help you start, grow, or run your business, I really recommend that you check out the hiring handbook for pet sitters and dog walkers. And the final book that I have, the fifth book, is called Prosperous Pet Business Interviews with the Experts. And here's the cool thing. Imagine if you could have access to 20 top pet business and life management experts in the comfort of your own home. And with the Prosperous Pet Business Interviews with the Experts book, you can. It's 350 pages, and I've interviewed top pet business experts, including Patty Moran, if you're familiar with her. She's the founder of Pet Sitters International. Paul Mann, he was the creator of Fetch Pet Care Franchise. Ian Dunbar and Andrea Arden, they are two top dog trainers, and so many more. And just to let you know, I am working on book number six, which will be released in late 2020 or early 2021, and I'm really excited about that book. It addresses a really big pain point in the pet business industry, regardless of what kind of service or business you have in the pet business industry. So before we dive into Tara's interview here, which again, I'm super excited about, you know, I really want to encourage you to listen to this. If you're having a hard time breaking through the earning plateau that you've been in for a while, In this interview with Tara Gentile, you are going to learn empowering tips and tools to jumpstart your money-making ability. Earning money can be fun and easy, and Tara's here to show you how to take your earning to the next level. And a lot of times, it's the mental beliefs that we have that actually get in the way, especially during a time like this, where there is an economic downturn, we could feel hopeless before we've even begun. So I wanted to share a little bit about what you're going to learn in this segment. You're going to learn how to break through mental beliefs around money that may be holding you back from earning more. You're going to discover key factors to help you earn and grow your service-based pet business. You're going to learn tangible steps that pet business owners can take to begin earning more now. You're going to learn the main secret to the art of learning, according to Tara, and how to get your confidence back when you're in a business slump so that you can move powerfully forward. And there's a lot more that you're going to learn. Um, My experience with Tara is that she's just pure delight. She's articulate. She's smart. I really enjoyed interviewing her. It was really fun and revealing to talk about the mental beliefs that can really hold us back around making money and how to break through those outdated and negative beliefs. So if you're struggling with money 
or if you've found yourself reaching an earnings ceiling, this interview can help you move through what stands in the way of your earning potential and help you take your business to that next level of financial abundance. You deserve to make money. So if you want more, you'll want to listen to this interview. And here we go. Let's dive in with my interview with Tara Gentile. You ready? Here we go. Hi, everyone. I am Kristen Morrison. I am the founder of Six Figure Pet Sitting Academy and Six Figure Pet Business Academy. I'm the creator of the Prosperous Pet Business Online Conference. I'm here with Tara Gentili. She is an amazing entrepreneur. She's a coach. She's going to be talking about the art of earning. So how to master earning, even if you're in a slump, which is such a powerful topic. (laughs) I just love it. And I'm excited to dive in, Tara. So tell me a little bit about your journey to master the art of earning for you. Oh man, it has been a long and winding road. So I'm glad we're talking about this too. There have been many slumps in my past, which I'm happy to talk about as well and sort of how how I've gotten through that. But my main earning story um, is one that kind of comes from feeling like I had a cap on what my earning potential was all my life from, I don't know where I picked this up, but at some point in my early teens, in my late teens, I told myself a story about how much money I was going to be able to make in my life per year, right? Um, based on what I was into, based on the kind of person I was, based on you know the kind of work that I wanted to do in the world. And it was about you know $40,000. I thought $40,000 a year, that's about where I'm going to settle out. I used to want to be a college professor. Um, I wanted to go into ministry for a while. And so that seemed like, all right, the things I'm into, that's about where it's going to cap out. And so when out of necessity, like many people did, part necessity, part interest, when I started my business, I assumed my goal was to earn about $40,000 a year because I thought, hey, then I'll, I will have maxed out my earning potential as like a 26-year-old. This will be great. <laughs> yeah. No, that didn't work. Um, the problem with that, of course, is that uh, you know you set up your business to earn $40,000 and you've got to work really, really hard for that $40,000. But I also didn't really feel comfortable with wanting more than that. Mm-hmm. And so a big part of my art of earning, my money story, was reprogramming all of my concerns, my scarcity, my doubt, my mm-hmm. fear about money so that I could even think about building a business that could make $100,000 mm-hmm. or $200,000 or half a million dollars or a million dollars per year. Because to me, there was so much kind of locked up in that and you know, even aside from really thinking that I'm just not worth it. Yeah. And so, so much of my story has been all of the aha moments, the, the instances, the experiences that have allowed me to overcome those hurdles mm-hmm. and really start to create the capacity in my life, in my brain, in my mindset, and in my business to allow me to earn multitudes, magnitudes more uh, money in my life per year than I could have ever imagined. Wow. And I think that is so necessary in order to take that leap up and up and up. I had that too. <clears throat> Excuse me. I mean, 
I definitely had a cap on my earning. And I think mm-hmm. I had a lot of beliefs around money. Like money is, I can't be spiritual if I have a lot of money. You know, I can't be cool and artistic if I have a lot of money and creative. People maybe won't like me if I am doing really well financially. You know, just all these stories I had about money. Yeah, like you did too. Absolutely, absolutely. All of those and probably many more. (laughs) You know, if you think about all of the stories that society, that culture tells us about people with money and people without money, we really start to see the roots of how we personally approach money. Um, Because these stories are ingrained in all of us, or at least the vast majority of us. So few of us grow up with a mentor or a close friend or a close family member who has a lot of money, let alone having that person be a good mentor or role model for us, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And so without that, it's really hard to see what's possible. And so, so... for me, so much of what learning the art of earning has be, has been is realizing what's possible and sort of every kind of every stage where my business is sort of maxed out and I've need to needed to reprogram, build new capacity again, rethink how I approach things. It's been a journey of discovering again what the next level of possible is. Right? Mm-hmm. Like I said at the beginning, it's been. Uh, it was at at first really impossible to think about earning a hundred thousand dollars. Like I did not even, I could not comprehend what that would look like, feel like. I needed to go out and find role models, mentors, friends who had actually made that possible before I could conceive of owning that myself. Mm-hmm. And every, literally, every single stage of my business has been a and growth has been a process of going out and finding that possibility normally in the in the form of friends and colleagues who I can like kind of look to level up and emulate totally. and and sometimes um as being just kind of digging in deep, drilling down and figuring out, all right, what is my personal possibility? And I think that's kind of where I am now, where I'm able to, with guidance and with help, um, look and see kind of sky's the limit in terms of possibility. But I'm sure even that I'm selling myself or I'm selling myself short with the goals that I have. Yeah. (laughs) yeah. And I think it is is a bit of a progression. I I think it's almost like... um, if we have a buffet of food before us, we're not going to eat the whole buffet like in one sitting, you know, we're going to take it, you know, we're going to eat a bunch over here and then eat a bunch over here. And it's almost like steps. Yep. Um, Although sometimes I've noticed in my own life and you probably have too, there's like this huge, you know, up leveling that can happen once the belief is shifted. Oh yeah. Beliefs are so powerful. And, you know, I've written about this and in a couple of my books where, you know, I had the belief that in order to make money, you have to work really hard. Mm -hmm. That was the kind of role modeling I got. And I only knew business owners who were exhausted and super stressed. And maybe they, if, if they had money, they were super stressed and exhausted. If they didn't have money, then they were stressed and exhausted because they were trying to make it. So either way, they were kind of screwed. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yeah. And so, you know, I had to really work with that belief of what if making money was easy and what would that look like? And can I see anyone in my life who emulates that? And have I ever had the experience of that where making money was easy? 
Yeah, that story is probably one of the most pervasive ones that I have to work on with clients and with our members. And we talk about it in terms of business design, because what I've seen happen over and over again is that people design their businesses in a way that, one, maxes out their capacity for earning, uh, unbeknownst to them, and two, requires them to work as hard as they are now, which is generally on a path to burnout, right? It's that exhausted, stressed out, oh my gosh, if I got to work so hard just to make ends meet. But it's because they've designed their business to only make it possible to make ends meet. And if instead you say, all right, well, what if I worked a little bit less hard, but I worked at the design of my business to make three times as much as I'm making now, what would I have to do differently? I don't have to work as hard, but I do have to do different things. Um, And that's been kind of one of the eye-opening things, uh, certainly for me in my personal journey and my entrepreneurial journey. But it's, again, one of the things that with my clients and with our members, we see over and over and over again as being sort of that aha moment they need to have that is, yeah... I can do this more easily. I can do this in less time as long as my business is actually designed to earn me more than it's earning me now. Yep. I love that. And, you know, I really like to give people actionable steps. So, Mm -hmm. and I know you're really good at that, like spelling (laughs) it out. So what would be some steps that business owners could take, you know, in the next month to really begin to expand their capacity to earn? Yeah, so I could talk, we could talk about this all day long. But one of the biggest ones is looking at the offers that you have on the table. So, how many different ways are you trying to sell what it is that you do? And I don't know how it is with, with the viewers you have here and with the people that you're working with, but with my clients, they are trying to sell the same thing in 20 different ways. And it actually reduces their capacity for earning because they think the way I'm going to earn more is by layering on, adding on offer after offer after offer, package after package, mm-hmm. option after, uh, after option. And that's just a recipe for having to work harder for less. And so one of the biggest kind of actionable takeaways that you can have from this is looking at how could you actually simplify your, what I call your business model, but um, you know just the things that you're offering in your business, whether that's a service, whether it's products, however that works in your business. Um, and so we actually recommend that clients offer no more than three things. And that includes three different packages of the same thing, right? So if you're a dog walker and you're offer, you have that in three different ways that you're offering that particular service, those are your three offers. Your business can't afford more than that, or you're actually reducing your capacity. And I, and I find in a lot of businesses, they don't even need three. Um, Michael Masterson talks about in the book, Ready, uh, Ready, Fire, Aim, that most businesses before a million dollars should only have one offer on the table. Now, I think that's a little bit different with the kinds of businesses that we work with, but I think that idea has a lot of merit that if you can't figure out how to sell a million dollars, or maybe in the case of our businesses, six figures or half a million dollars Mm -hmm. with one offer, then you haven't 
figured out the real capacity of your business yet. Mm -hmm. And that instead of adding more and more things and working harder and harder, you should be refining your sales process, refining your marketing, making better offers instead of making more offers Mm -hmm. um, and really looking at that, that piece of things. So that's the first kind of action step that I would ask everyone to take over the next month is look at what you're trying to sell right now and figure out how you can sell twice as much with half the work. Um, And generally by simplifying the number of offers that you have and the ways that you're offering your services. I love that. That is fantastic. You know, I coach a lot of dog walkers, pet sitters, dog trainers, groomers, and I'll look at their services and rates page on their website when I'm working with them. And sometimes I'll see like 10 different services that they're offering. And that is so overwhelming to clients. It's like clients or potential clients look at that and they get immediate decision fatigue. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I'm out of here. You know, I'm going to find somebody, not always, but I'm going to find somebody who's a little bit more simple in terms of their offer. And yeah, I really think no more than three. So if if they're, let's say somebody's a pet sitter and a dog walker, mm-hmm. maybe they offer pet sitting visits dog walking, and then overnight sitting. Those would be their three services. You know, if you're a dog trainer, maybe the puppy package and then the refresher course and then one other one that's going to be, you know, appealing to some of your clients. Yeah. And we really like, in terms of simplification, we also really like looking at only one main customer and Uh what are the different ways that that person can do business with you. So we like to, I think mentally... Um, misconception-wise, we like to think, well, let's give people all the options and all the options for all the different kinds of people, right? But if instead you look and say, all right, I've got one pet owner Mm-hmm. Who's my customer? What are the three ways that I can create value for them? What are the three ways I can make their life easier? What are the three ways I can save them time? Yep. Whatever it is for you, whatever that kind of core value proposition is for you, what are the three different ways that you can do that? What are the two different ways that you can do that? And make all of those offers work for that one person. Because the other thing that that does then is that instead of having to go out and find three different kinds of customers or five different kinds of customers, you only need to market to one customer and that one customer can repeat with you over and over and over again. And your clients' businesses are perfectly primed for that kind of business model, right? Yeah. And so now suddenly you don't have to work nearly as hard because you don't need to generate as much interest because the same people are buying everything that you offer and they're buying it over and over again. Mm. And they love to do that. Like I said, I think we we think as as providers, as marketers, that options are what people are looking for. People don't want options. They want simplicity. Every yep. so often you get a customer who wants, you know, a tweak here or a tweak there. Or like, can't you make this a custom package? Let other people run those kinds of businesses. Mm-hmm. You don't want to do that. Make it simple. Make the customization, the experience for the customer. The way you, you know, say hello to them or ask them how their day was. Make that the customization piece. But what you're offering, make it simple, straightforward, and easy to say yes to. Mm-hmm. It's going to give you more energy to provide that service. Yeah. It's going to make it easier for them. 
Want to take what you're learning from the podcast and begin to apply it in your own pet business so you can see powerful results? The Pet Business Online Course Learning Platform can help you do that. You'll find instant access courses that can help you launch or grow your pet business starting right now. You can watch, listen, and learn from the courses right now or whenever works best for you and from wherever you are at in the world. The How to Start Your Pet Sitting and Dog Walking Business in 7 Days online course gives you step-by-step instruction and comprehensive tools to help you launch your own pet care business and get paying clients in just one week. The four-week Pet Business Catapult program provides a weekly comprehensive plan to help you create systems and strategies so you can work on your business instead of in your business. You'll also learn exactly what you need to find, hire, and train quality staff and attract high-paying, profitable clients. With these classes and the many other online classes you'll find on the course platform, you can take your pet business to a new level of growth and success starting right now. Go to PetBusinessCourses.com. That's PetBusinessCourses.com or use the online learning platform link in the show notes page to start transforming your pet business right now. You'll find many classes for all your business needs, including how to get your website higher on the search engines and how to use Facebook marketing to grow your pet business, plus many others. New courses are added monthly. These online courses provide solutions and actionable steps so you can quickly take your business to a new level of growth and profitability. And you'll receive your courses in less than 60 seconds after ordering. To find out more, go to PetBusinessCourses.com. There was something you were saying about, oh, about one client, Mm -hmm. one customer, you know, utilizing all those three services. And it's so interesting because I owned my pet sitting and dog walking business for 18 years. I sold it three years ago. And I would have clients, even though dog walking and pet sitting was clearly in my business name, mm-hmm. all over my website, I would often have clients, like dog walking clients say, do you know of a good pet sitter? <laughs> and I would say, <laughs> yes, as a matter of fact, I do. We offer that. And I realized that even though it seems so obvious to me, it wasn't to them. I really needed to send out a monthly newsletter reminding dog walking clients that we do pet sitting, reminding pet sitting clients that we do dog walking. So it's not just putting it on your site, but it's really reminding clients of the three services that you offer. Yeah. Which, you know, you had mentioned how to get out of a slump, an earning slump earlier. That's one of the key ways to get out of an earning slump is just to remind people what it is that you have to offer, right? We're so absorbed into our own business models, into our own product offerings, our own calendars, that we forget that people aren't sitting around thinking about ways they can do business with us, right? We have to remind them. It's not about being salesy. It's not even about like a sales campaign, although I'm happy to talk about that too. It's really just a reminder. Hey, you know what? If you're, you know, maybe it's vacation season. So every vacation season, you make sure you send out a couple of emails reminding people that you're the best pet sitter to use. Uh, Even though that you're used to relying on me for dog walking, I can pet sit for you too this vacation season. And so just looking at all your different opportunities throughout the year, throughout the month, every time you are in contact with a client or a customer, thinking about how how can you remind them what you have to offer because that makes their life 
life easier. Not only is it easier for you to only go after one customer, it's also easier for your customer to only have to do business with one provider, right? So you're not being salesy. You're being in service of your customer when you remind them, hey, we're doing this thing now, but in the future, when you have this need, come back to me. That is such a relief for people. I would much rather go back to the same provider over and over and over again than have to go out and source a whole bunch of different providers. Absolutely. So I love all that you're sharing. It's fantastic. You know, I really heard you say about, you know, getting rid of the negative beliefs, really working with them. How did you actually work with them? Because I really see that that's, that was a big step for me. And so I want to backtrack a little bit and go go there. And then I want to talk about like staying motivated. Once you remove those blocks, how do you stay motivated to earn? Yeah. So one of the chief negative beliefs that I had about money or stories that I had about money um, is one that I find again with almost all of my clients, almost all of our members. And that is that um, money is somehow... Um, like almost like it's holy, right? Like we have this perception, especially in American society, but I think it's it is a global phenomenon that money is somehow separate um, and is more valuable than the actual value that we put on it, right? And so this comes up around pricing a lot. People get really nervous asking for the sale, and and even more specifically around pricing what it is that they're that they're doing. And so one of the ways I reprogrammed this for me is really understanding the purpose of money. And maybe that sounds ridiculous, but let me explain. The purpose of money, the reason we have currency, is actually to make trading value easier, right? It's really hard if I need dog walking, but I also need milk and I also need this other thing. It's really hard to figure out what combination of services I can trade for each of those things. So instead of having to trade my service for someone else's service or have some weird kind of like village cycle of trading services or products, um, we have money instead. And so money is a stand-in for me being able to trade my service for that other thing that I need. That's all it is. All it does is quantify value. And it's an agreement that we have, right? That this is a thing that we trade instead of directly trading services. I realize I'm sounding really philosophical, kind of esoteric right now, but this is really, really important because what happens when we're in business and we're putting a price on something and we're asking for a sale is that we start feeling like we're taking something away from people, right? Because money is so important. It's so other to us that when we ask for it in exchange for our service, we only can see our customer as having less of that thing. What we forget is that there is a trade happening. And that when we receive money from our service, the client gets the benefit of the service. They get that value. So while we get the money, which is great and we like money, um, they get that service, that change, that convenience, that save time, make money, whatever it might be, that value. And to them, it feels equal. In fact, most of the time when you're doing things right, it feels like a steal, right? Because even luxury products or impulse buys or, um, you know, things that feel like non-necessities, like dog walking might feel like a non-necessity 
to you. And so every time, you know, you trade things, you feel like, oh, that person's really getting, I am stealing from this person that they're paying me to do this thing that they don't really need, right? No, 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 no. That person desperately needs that thing in their mind, and they're very happy to pay part with cold, hard cash Mm -hmm. to get that convenience because to them, it's a steal. To them, it's a bargain. Mm -hmm. No matter what price tag you put on it, there's going to be somebody out there that thinks that's a bargain because money only has the value that we give it. And as long as we keep, um, as long as we hold it up outside of being equal with our service or our product or our offer, we're going to continually be in a scarcity mindset. But as soon as we realize that that value that we're asking for in exchange in the form of money is equal and flowing, and this is a good thing that makes people feel good, now suddenly you can kind of step into this real abundance mindset and feel really good about every time you set a price on something or you ask for a sale. And that's where you've really got to be to actually grow your business and become really prosperous. Mm -hmm. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So that being said, how do pet business owners, or let me ask you this, how did you stay motivated? Like you remove the blocks and then how did you stay motivated to be on track with your earnings when maybe it was hard you felt exhausted because a lot of pet business owners can go through burnout stage. Yeah. Yeah. Bypass that or get through that. I love this question because um, it, again, it kind of touches on all of those money stories that we have. And one of the money things that one of the money holdups that most of us have is that we're not actually motivated by money, right? Money is great and we love the idea of having more of it, but it's not actually the thing that motivates us. So there's two main ways that I coach uh, clients and members around thinking through motivation in terms of money goals and and this is the way I handle things. I mean, I coach it that way because that's how I do it. Um, One is to realize why you want more money. Is it that you want to buy a house? Is it that you want to see your nest egg grow and grow and grow, your retirement grow and grow and grow? Is it because you can't wait to put your kid through college debt-free? What is that stand-in for that amount of money that you want to earn that's actually important to you? In always having that goal in mind is the key to staying motivated around money, not the monetary goal itself. Mm-hmm. So like right now, uh, my partner and I are working towards um, buying a second property in Montana where his family lives and where we eventually want to move full time. And so my financial goals right now are a stand-in or that property really is the stand-in for the financial goal that I have so that we can buy that second property. That's what we want to do. And you know, we want to do it really smartly and with a big down payment and all that good stuff, right? Um, and so that's what we're working towards um, for me as a as a as the earner and even as my company in my mind, that's what we're working toward. Even though, yeah, we have we have company goals, we have ideas of what the organization is growing into. But in my mind, the financial returns are tied to that house in Montana. Right? Mm-hmm. That's what I focus on every time I set a new financial goal. Is it has to have a tangible, real thing that gets me excited, that gets me out of bed every day. So that's one piece of the puzzle. The other piece is to again 
kind of untie all those old beliefs we have about money and start looking at money as a game. Because um, most of us did not start businesses straight out of college or straight out of high school. Most of us had a J-O-B job at some point. We got that paycheck every week. And there really was no game to it, right? The, or the game was making sure that there was still money left over in your bank account at the end of the pay period, right? That's the only game there is. And that game sucks. So I don't recommend it. <laughs> it does suck. It sucks. But um, when you're an entrepreneur, the game works in the opposite direction, right? Where you get to decide how much you're going to earn by the action that you take in your business. And so instead, you start setting that, that goal further and further out and start playing the game of taking different action to reach that money goal, that ultimate financial goal that you have. And the more we can start looking at those numbers as you know, if I push this lever or that button or, you know, jiggle the machine in this way, I can get these kind of results out on the other end. I can score this many points, like sort of looking more money as points. Um, then playing that game actually becomes really fun. And we can forget a lot of the programming that we have around money and just start looking at, looking at it like a challenge to figure out a puzzle to figure out. And I don't know about you, but I'm highly competitive. And so approaching things like a game or a challenge yeah. is yeah. really motivating to me. Yeah. I don't know many entrepreneurs who aren't highly competitive. Totally. So I know. It's just it works. Not, yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Oh, that's great. So I really appreciate all of these great tips. I feel like super comprehensive, you know, really, really good. So before we go though, I know mm -hmm. you, you're a busy lady. I am too. <laughs> I'm asking most of the speakers a couple questions because it's interesting for us to know what is the best business advice you've ever been given and how has it helped you? It's a really good question. I don't really go out and seek advice very often, but I do go out and seek role models. And one of the best role models that I have uh, courted, um, developed a relationship with, is my friend Amanda Steinberg, who runs a company called Daily Worth and also a company called Worth FM, Worth Financial Management. It's an education platform, a media platform for women to learn about money and also a financial management tool for women and managing their money. Um, and for me, her whole life, her whole uh, way of building a business has been the advice that I needed to get where I am today. Uh, so Amanda and I both started our, our businesses at very much uh, the same time. Now, hers was a, a second business, um, but still, those our businesses are basically the same age. Um, but she started off with a million-dollar goal and with fun, you know, going after venture capital uh, investment and you know, all of these things that I wouldn't have been a million years even considered. But she's been the main person where every time I need to check in on what I should be going after next or what I might want to go after next, she's the person I come back to over and over again and kind of think, well, what would Amanda do in this situation? Or... Um, how would she look at the situation differently? So for me, it's not that piece of advice that sticks out in my brain, but it is that story or that perspective that I tap into on an almost daily basis to make sure that I'm getting through the hurdles and challenges and setting goals in the way that I know is going to set me up for, the, for where I want to be personally. Mm, beautiful. That's inspiring. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> so burnout. 
You're yeah. a busy entrepreneur. I am too. How do you deal with those times where you're really swamped with work? How do you recharge? How do you take care of yourself? Well, first and foremost is realizing that this too shall pass, right? <laughs> and that those busy periods are finite. As long as I'm doing my job right and doing my job well, I can handle a busy period. I can handle a crazy period, even of a few weeks, because I know it's going to end. And one of the ways I know it's going to end is, first of all, like I mentioned way earlier, making sure my business is designed to not let me burn out. But second, making sure that I schedule downtime ahead of time. So at the beginning of the year, one of my favorite things to do is when I look at my 12-month calendar and decide when I'm taking vacation, <laughs> right? And I have that plan out a whole year in advance. And we have conversations. Where do we want to go? Do we want to stay home? What do we want to do? Some of them are concrete. Some of them are a little bit more up in the air. But I've got that time set on my calendar ahead of time so that I know what the next break I'm working towards. So my team knows the next break we're working toward. And so that you know, we really, I know that those burnout periods are over. Um, the other thing, the other big thing that I do uh, to keep my energy up, even when things are busy, is making sure that I get plenty of time for physical activity. So workout, whether that's a walk or a run or whatever it might be, um, starting the day off with that, that just puts me in the right mood and the right mindset to tackle whatever I have uh, planned for that day. But then also making sure that throughout the day, I'm taking those five-minute breaks or even three-minute breaks, taking a dance break or like running up and down the stairs a couple of times, or even at the end of the day, making sure I go for a cool-down walk, right? Where it's not just cooling down from exercise, but it's actually cooling down from the day activities. And then I think finally on staving burnout, having a regular schedule. You know, entrepreneurship means you can work whenever you want, but that's not a good thing. <laughs> you know? yep. And so I keep a very regular schedule and have for many years now. Um, and you know, I could probably work less than I do, but right now I really love working about a nine to five day. And most days, you know, there's days I uh, can start a little earlier or end a little earlier. And sometimes there's days I only work four days out of the week instead of five. But generally when I'm working, it's in that nine to five period. That works for me. It feels good. It lets me get through the sort of different cycles that I'm going to have in the day. Um, and that keeps me, again, from burning out. I'm never trying to pile something in on my workload at 9 o'clock at night or 11 o'clock at night or 6 a.m. in the morning. Mm -hmm. There is there is only the amount of time that I have uh, and I make sure my work fits into that. Mm, good. That's really... Sounds very healthy. <laughs> I try. <laughs> I don't know. That's there's, awesome. other, there's other ways I'm not healthy. So I get it. I know. <laughs> So how can our viewers find out more about you and your work? Where can they go to do that? Yeah, so you can find me online at terragentilly.com. That's where my blog that's many, many years old is. But more importantly, you can also find my podcast there, uh, which is called Profit Power Pursuit. And so if you like this interview, you're going to love the podcast. Um, we go inside, kind of behind the scenes with a different business owner every week. It's not an expert interview so much as it really is that kind of nitty gritty of how their business actually mm -hmm. works. Uh, and then we also have a community of digital small business owners. 
customers. So if you're using the internet in some way to grow your small business, you, you'll fit right in. And that's called Co-Commercial. We're the Business Association for Digital Small Businesses. You can find that at cocommercial.co. Thank you, Tara. Thank you. Time. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Tara Gentile as much as I enjoyed interviewing her. I really enjoyed it. She's just really something. So I want to remind you that you will find a lot of information in the show notes about Tara, about the books that I mentioned earlier at the beginning before the interview, and you can go to the show notes page at prosperouspetbusiness.com forward slash podcast 75. That is the number 75. Again, prosperouspetbusiness.com forward slash podcast 75. I also want to invite you, if you're not already a part of it, to join the Prosperous Pet Business Facebook group. We have thousands and thousands of pet business owners who are in that group, and they are just a wonderful, wonderful bunch of people. And I think you'll really enjoy being a part of it too. So you will find a link to that Facebook group in the show notes, again, at prosperouspetbusiness.com forward slash podcast 75. You will also find a link to information about my books, information about Tara. Also, if you're on Instagram, I want to invite you to follow me and I would love to follow you. My Instagram is petbizcoach. That's P-E-T-B-I-Z coach. It's all one word, petbizcoach. I wish you a wonderful rest of your week. I hope you have a beautiful day and take good care. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Prosperous Pet Business Podcast. It would be great if you would take a moment to write a quick review on iTunes. For any questions, comments, or pet business coaching topics you would like to hear on future podcasts, please visit us at www.prosperouspetbusiness.com or www.sixfigurepetbusinessacademy.com.